Some of my favorite stories to share on this channel are those from small towns. Being someone who grew up and lived in small towns pretty much my entire life, I really just relate to them more than others. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today, I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true small town horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, without any further hesitation, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true small town horror stories. Years ago now, back when I was about eight or nine, my folks and I lived in this huge, weird old house that was right at the edge of this small town in rural Pennsylvania. The local school districts also happened to be in the middle of this big restructuring. So even though I and my little brother were only a couple of grades apart, I went to an entirely different school and took different buses. This meant I was the last person to leave the house every morning, but also the first person to get home every afternoon, since my school was much closer than his. But this also meant that it was also my job to make sure all the lights were off and all the doors were locked when I left every morning to head off for school. So this one morning, I caught on to the fact that the light was on in the basement and that the door was open. So before I left, I saw to it that the light was off and the door was locked. Then later, when I got home that afternoon, I saw that the light was on again and that the door was open. I remember thinking that I was losing my mind or something and that I had totally just imagined locking up. I mean, I was just tired most mornings after staying up late playing Overwatch, so it was not out of the question that I could have forgotten to do so. So I went over to turn off the lights and close the door. But when I got to the top of the basement staircase, I looked down to see what looked like a big shadowy figure of a male standing at the bottom. I just wigged out, slammed the door, and pushed a cabinet against it. Then I bolt the hide upstairs in my room. For quite a long time, I did not tell my family because I was positive what I had seen was a ghost and did not think anyone would believe me. A little explanation. It was about Halloween time. I was young and dumb and happened to have fostered a firm belief in the paranormal. Then about six months after that weird little incident, my mom and dad realized that things had been going missing around our house. They blamed me and my brother at first, but after we insisted we were innocent, we all walked around the place with flashlights trying to figure out how anyone might have gotten inside without breaking in. Turns out the thing I had seen in the basement was an actual dude, and he had been climbing in through a small hole in the outside of the house, working his way through a crawl space, then coming up into the house through the basement. Only now just realizing I had been alone in the house with him at least once was one of the worst, most terrifying realizations I had ever had in my entire life. I don't believe in ghosts anymore, but I damn sure am terrified of human beings. Hey Swamp Dweller, I have been listening to your channel for some time now. I got to thinking about how a lot of strange and freaky things have happened to me over my lifetime. I grew up and currently live in a ridiculously small town in upstate New York. When I was a small child, 
I used to tell my mother about the man that came to play with me and talk to me at night. My dad was the only man around at the time and he worked night times. So, obviously, this freaked my mother out at the time as I was only three years old. As time went on, I remember always being afraid of my old bedroom. And then one day, after getting home from school, I called for my mother and I heard her say we are in here. So, I went to her room and no one was there at all. I thought it was strange, but whatever. I went to use the bathroom and I distinctly remember hearing a man's voice say my name. I of course told my mother this, and I continued hearing a man call my name throughout the years. Fast forward about 14 years later, and my sister was born. One night around a campfire sharing freaky stories, she said she always heard a man calling her name in the bathroom. My parents still live in this house, and to this day, my own son now is afraid of my mother's bathroom. I suffer from sleep paralysis and every time I have paralysis I see a man standing at the foot of my bed, watching me. I cannot help but wonder, is this the same man I have always heard and or played with when I was a young child? My friends and some family members have gotten into ghost hunting around the area. We have some incredibly old graveyards dating back to the 1700s and 1800s. There is one area in the woods full of graves most people do not know is there. We as kids discovered it walking and playing in the woods as kids usually do. We had an older friend who drove at the time. We will call him Jeff for privacy's sake. Jeff would always rough house and be crazy with his father's truck in these woods. His friend Alan was terrified of the woods late at night, especially the graveyard. We decided to play a prank on him and being that we were now teenagers, we decided a perfect place would be the graves. So one night, we drove him through the woods by the graves only to find the entire gravesite glowing and lit up. We were incredibly freaked out and continued driving into an open field where Jeff's truck stalled out on us. We were trying to get the truck started, but as we were trying to get it going again, we heard drums beating very close by. The sound of the drums sounded like it came from the graveyard. We finally got Jeff's truck started up and hightailed it out of there. However... When we passed the graveyard again, it was all dark like nothing was ever there. My friends and I decided to do some ghost hunting on a very haunted hill in upstate New York. There have been countless strange deaths that have occurred there. A long time ago, a witch doctor and her brother were hung in one of the trees that is still standing. I was unaware at the time that we were going to that location. I kept hearing what sounded like a rope swinging in the tree, but there was no rope at all. There was no wind or anything. It was just a calm, sunny summer day in upstate New York. Eventually, we happened upon the witch's gravestone. At this point, my friends tell me we are here, and then tell us all about her backstory. Honestly, I felt bad for her, so I decided to reach out and touch her grave. I instantly became incredibly dizzy. I almost threw up and fell to my knees. Upon research, I found out that I am not the only person who has had that happen to them upon touching the gravestone. We continued a ghost hunt, and we've gone there many times after this. There are miles and miles of forest there. One night we had decided to come back for a ghost hunt and do more of the trails that were in a different area, but still very haunted woods apparently. We had noticed that our cell phone batteries were draining rather rapidly. We thought this was odd. 
As we were driving, we became lost and unsure what trail we were on at this point. We stopped the car to figure out exactly where we were. As I stated above, a lot of people were losing their life in strange ways in this area. We have heard heavy footsteps approaching our car, but when we looked up and around, there was never anyone there. We had this gut feeling that was just terrible. We knew it was bad. My friend Jackie, for privacy's sake, looked out her window and started screaming. She said there was a man just looking in at her. We did not see him, but we did believe her. We then told her to gas it, as we did not care where we ended up. We just wanted to get away. As she hit the gas, my mother and I looked out the back window and saw what looked like to be a butcher following our car. I told my friend in the front seat who owns land there. She said there used to be a serial killer back in the day that lived in the area. One night, my friends and I decided to do even more ghost hunting, as I really appreciate a good ghost story. I thought I heard something walking toward me in the darkness, and I saw a branch move like someone was moving it out of the way. Everyone in the group was standing near each other, so we were like, feeling safe, you know? We decided to snap a picture with our digital camera, which by the way constantly dies in those woods for some reason. We caught a silhouette of a woman dressed in an old-fashioned style dress with a child in her arms and another child clinging to her side. Not too spooky, but pretty cool. We all went to another gravesite, looking for more ghosts, of course. I happened to be standing there with my mom and friends who I always go ghost hunting with. I trust them and they trust me. We always have each other's backs. We had been standing there and I thought I heard someone talking to me. So I stood still to listen. As I was standing there, it was like I was asleep while being awake at the same time. Like I was in some sort of trance. Like this very weird state. It was very strange for me. My friend decided to snap a picture thinking I was just standing still looking for a ghost. The next thing I know, my friends are all running and heading for their car. And I'm just standing there still unaware that in the picture my friend snapped, there was a man standing at my shoulder, talking in my ear. Just typing this story gives me the chills. My mom ended up running back for me and dragging me out of my trance-like state. I had no clue the entire time that they had been yelling at me as I had never heard them. I often dream of deceased loved ones and friends and stuff like that. Sometimes I even see my friend's husband who has passed. He has told me to warn my friend that something evil was watching her and wanted her. He said his son was buying a truck and to tell him to watch out for his mother as well. He said he had been trying to keep her safe, but this evil thing was stronger than he was. He told me it required a lot of energy to talk to me, and did not have much time to talk. I reached out to my friend and she said, in fact, in the past two days her son was apparently going to buy a truck. She had also said she was having a lot of awful things happen to her, including a wolf showing up and being aggressive towards her. My friend has since moved farther away from that haunted hill. One day, I swear... I saw her husband as I was on a walk. He was just standing there with his arms crossed and a big smile on his face. He gave me a wave and a nod. Anyways, these are just a few ghost stories from my small town I have for you. I do have plenty more strange things that have happened to me, but I'll share that for another time. Hey Swamp folks, sorry to interrupt this episode. But this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, I know it's been one hell of a year. And personally, we all feel like we've aged 12 years over the last 12 months. 
And if you're anything like me and tons of other guys, you're feeling your age a little more than you used to, especially in other areas of your life. And you know what? It's time to snap out of it. Spring is here and it's time to get sprung with Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is incredibly simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. So, if you could benefit from a little bit of extra confidence, when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And even better yet, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code SWAMPED at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com code S-W-A-M-P-E-D to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. Once again, that's bluechew.com using promo code SWAMPED. This story took place when I was a kid. My dad has been a pool man for many years. One of his oldest customers decided to purchase a ranch. I do not exactly remember where. He asked my dad if he could come fix their pool, which was disastrously maintained before he bought it. He gave my dad permission to bring us along and told us we were welcome to stay a few days to enjoy the ranch. We drove there and I had overseen reading the map quest instructions because I never seemed to be able to sleep during car trips. We drove back a few days later after my dad was finally able to save the pool. The drive home was awfully long. For long stretches, the view was mostly desert, farms, and the occasional small suburban town. Unlike me, my mom and brothers knocked out almost immediately, so most of the trip was just me and my dad talking or listening to music. I am also a very avid reader, so I had my book on my lap besides the maps. I remember the ride had been quiet for a while, because I had been reading. I had to stop because it was getting dark, and my dad only let me turn the dome lights to read the maps. No radio service and the Game Boy batteries had all died. All I had left to do was look outside. Suddenly, I spotted a very tall shadow on a roof. I realized there was a man who seemed to be wearing a hat, a bowler hat, or maybe a top hat style, and dancing and jumping from roof to roof of the suburban lot, kind of like that scene from Singing in the Rain, which at that point I had never seen. It took a second to realize that it was not a normal thing to see. The houses were situated in such a way where they were way too far away for people to jump roof to roof. What scared me the most is how at the last house before a field, he seemed to turn around and sense me. He bowed and tipped his hat. Even though I could not see it, I could sense it smiling. All I felt was dread in my stomach. I turned to face my dad to see if he saw it, but he had been paying attention to the road like he should have been. When I turned back, I could not see the houses anymore. They were too far behind us. I never saw a face or any details. He was just a silhouette on the roofs. I remember feeling very afraid that it would follow us. That it could if it wanted to. 
I never saw something like that in our many trips ever again. Sometimes, I wondered if I imagined it. It just felt so real. The memory is so vivid as well, which always keeps me coming back to this. I am watching old musicals because the dancing reminds me of the way he moved. My name is Bree. I am a 21-year-old female and I live in a small town in northern Ontario. The stories I'm going to share all took place in a house my family and I lived in until I was 13 years old. None of these stories are in chronological order, due to how young I was when they took place. The first story I will share was with my younger sister, Mac, who was two years younger than me, and at the time, I was about six years old. We were playing outside one summer day. The wind was blowing particularly hard, and our mother was watching us from inside the house. To give a visual of the layout of our home and yard, our house was known as the backward house, since it was built backward. So, our mother was able to watch us while doing dishes in the kitchen. There was also a massive hedge separating our house from the neighbor next to us, and there was a considerable distance between the hedge and our home. My sister and I were not playing any games, just running around and having fun as kids do. Suddenly, out of nowhere, I and my sister froze like statues. We both looked at each other and simultaneously looked at the space between our home and the hedge. To our surprise, there was a woman there. She was wearing a beautiful long green flowing dress and had equally beautiful, long, wavy red hair and was very fair. She seemed to float rather than walk and seemed fixed on where she was going. As quickly as we noticed her, she vanished into the basement wall of our home. My sister and I then took a look at each other and honestly, we both looked incredibly puzzled. I did not want to say anything to her at first, because my sister was known to copy me, and I did not want her to say she saw something just because I had. After a few seconds of silence, my sister with tears in her eyes said, Did you see that? All I could muster out was, uh-huh. We then ran to our mom sobbing that some old lady had just floated into our home. My mom, not wanting to scare us, said, Maybe it's your guardian angel, stopping by to make sure you're okay. That seemed to ease our nerves a bit, and we were soon back to playing around like nothing had ever happened. As I got older, the experiences in that home seemed to become more sinister. My bedroom had been moved into the basement, and I remember regularly seeing a dark shadow crouch in the corner of my bedroom at night. I had nightmares every other night, and had a constant feeling of being watched all throughout the house. My mother would later admit to me, once we moved out, that she was even afraid to walk around the house at night and fears something being around the corner. Another story I remember vividly involves my brother who is seven years younger than me. My brother Gio at the time was about two years old. We were sleeping together. It was extremely late at night and for some reason, I just could not fall asleep. To this day, I do not know if he woke up or said this in his sleep, but out of nowhere he says, Bree, Bree, do you see it? See what? I reply. The eyes, he whispered. What eyes? I asked, to which he points behind the door. Obviously, at this point I'm crapping my pants. I try getting him to repeat what he said, but there was no reply. I quickly picked him up and brought him into the living room with me, 
where we both slept on the couch. I have many other stories about this house, but I will end it on this one. I remember somehow, I built up the courage to play downstairs by myself with my littlest pet shops. I was in my tour room that was attached to the laundry room in my dad's workshop. I had set up all my things in a little circle to make a town, and I was sitting in the middle of it. At the point this had happened, I was sitting facing the houses that were up against the wall. The light in the room I was playing in was placed above and behind me, so if someone walks in the room, a shadow would be cast on the wall I was facing. So as I was playing, I had an overwhelming urge to look up. When I did, I witnessed a shadow move from the right of me to the left of me, heading out the door into the rec room. My first thought was, well, maybe my dad was in his workshop and I didn't know. So I look up and out the door and there is no one there. I look back down at my toys and realize my dad is a bigger guy, and I would have heard him walking, and I would have seen him in the time I saw the shadow looking out the door. I book it up the stairs and get the hell out of that basement. As I said, I have tons of more stories that I will submit in the future. Thank you for sharing my story, Swamp Dweller. And if anybody in the comments has had any similar experiences, definitely let me know. This story takes place the summer of 2001 in a small town outside of Rhode Island, where I am from. I am a female, for reference, and I was about 20 years old that summer. In between my junior and senior years of college at the University of Rhode Island, I decided to stay on campus and take some classes so my senior year would be a little lighter and be a bit less stressful for me. So I rented out a cute little apartment with a few friends and we loved it. Like I said, we were in a small town outside of the city. There were a lot of other college students around and I enjoyed living so close to the beach in the summertime. My schedule was pretty open. So even though I was working and going to school part-time, I had a lot of time to myself and loved the freedom I had to do whatever I wanted. I have always been into fitness and exercise, and one of my favorite things to do that summer was take my rollerblades to the local bike path and listen to music on my earbuds while I glided down the long straight path. Every day, I would drive to the bike path and park my car at the park close by the path and rollerblade the mile-long path until it ended. Another park would begin actually right after this one ended. At that second park, I would sometimes rest on one of the benches and take a little break and drink some water before turning back and going back down that same path again and ending up at the original park where my car was. It's about a two mile go, and I did this about every day. It was fun and great exercise, right up until this incident I'm about to chronicle for you. On this particular morning, I slept in and was running a little bit late getting ready for my daily workout. I could not find my earbuds anywhere. They were not where I normally left them on my kitchen counter, and after spending some time looking for them around the apartment without any luck, I just said screw it and decided to exercise without them. I get to the park and put my rollerblades on and start my first mile. It was a beautiful July morning, and I was enjoying myself when suddenly, unexplainably about halfway through the mile, something felt very wrong. There was just this gut feeling that something was off. The temperature was in the 80s, but I had goosebumps all up and down my arms and legs. The hair on the back of my neck was standing up, and I had an intense, sinking feeling of dread. I've always had a very strong intuition, 
I trust it with my life. I felt this feeling before in the past, and it has always served as a warning. But I kept on skating, becoming very aware of my surroundings as I did so. Fight or flight was kicking in, and I didn't even understand why. That was until I saw him. There was a man up ahead on the trail, off the side of the path. The first thing I realized was that he was taking steps backward off the path. He was trying to hide from me in a tree, but I could still see his face from a good distance away watching me, like a dead-eyed predator. He stood there with his hands in his front pockets, not moving at all. As I skated closer to him, the dread in my stomach grew. I noticed he was not wearing workout clothes. He had an oversized hoodie, jeans, and work boots, nothing you would wear if you were expecting to exercise. Now, I had to quickly make a choice. Do I stop and turn around and go the way I came from, possibly endangering my life by losing the speed and momentum I had gained, or do I keep skating past him and hope he doesn't rush me from the side, pushing me off the path? The fear I felt turned quickly to rage. Quick backstory on me. I am no stranger to violence and assault from men in my past. I thought, why should I live my life afraid? Why should I cater to these men who think they can just take what they want from me? Do they think I'm just going to keep taking it? I felt my hands ball up in the fist, my jaw jut out in defiance, and I decided I was standing my ground. Something told me that as I passed him that I needed to remember everything about what he looked like. I noted his dark eyes and beard. I noted his plain blue baseball cap, his hoodie, his jeans and construction boots. I could tell you my nostrils were flared and my eyes were flashing anger, and I glared at him with an intensity that said, I see you there, and I'm ready to fight you if need be. We maintained eye contact for what felt like a long time, but could not have been more than just a few seconds. Then he actually broke eye contact, looked away from me, and I knew he had changed his mind at this point about whatever he was considering doing to me, but I was still not safe yet. I flew as fast as I could to the second park and got off the bike path. Now, I was in a tough position. My car was a mile away, as was my shoes and cell phone. I could not go back down that path again and risk passing him a second time. He might have moved, he might have been hiding in a better place waiting for me, knowing I would need to go down that path to get to my car again. So I took off my rollerblades and made my way over to the road that ran parallel to the path and walked the mile back to my car in my socks, carrying my skates. It probably looked a bit strange to the drivers that went by, and the walk seemed to take forever. Once I saw my car, I ran to it as fast as I could and locked myself in. I never went back there to rollerblade ever again. Unfortunately, the story doesn't just end there though. After this incident, I went on with the rest of my day. I went to class, I made lunch at my apartment, I got ready for work, and went to my closing shift where I work as a waitress. I returned to my apartment complex at around 10pm to find my neighbor yelling excitedly on his cell phone in the parking lot, pacing and smoking a cigarette as he talked. He and his girlfriend lived upstairs from me. I didn't know them well, but they were friendly enough. She studied nursing and he was a business major. We had all hung out shortly after move-in day, drinking beers and smoking joints on their balcony, and I thought they were both pretty nice people. I parked my car and started walking towards the building just as he was hanging up from his cell phone. I nodded politely towards him and he offered a friendly greeting, something like, Hey, how's it going? Seeing his face closer now under the lights, I could tell he had been crying. 
He told me his girlfriend was in the hospital. She had been attacked and violated by a strange man and was recovering from some various injuries. Most seriously, a head injury from smacking her head on the concrete. As he described to me what happened, I felt tears rising in my own eyes and it felt like I had been punched in the stomach. What I said to him next made his jaw drop. I said, did that happen on the bike path? He incredulously said yes and demanded to know how I knew that. I told him I knew who did it and I explained what happened to me that morning. He immediately asked if I could talk to the police and give a description of the man. Because of the little voice in my head that told me I needed to remember everything about his appearance, I was able to give a full detailed description of this man to the police. For months after this incident, I checked the news to see if he was ever caught, but I never heard that he was. The girl he attacked did make a full recovery, and shortly after returning from the hospital, she and her parents showed up in a moving van and packed up all her things in her apartment. I never saw her again. For a long time after that, I felt a lot of guilt about what happened to her. I felt that somehow her fate was meant for me, but I skirted it and left it for someone else to suffer through. What did I do to ward off this attack? What did I do that she didn't? The last and most chilling piece of this story though? The earbuds that I lost the morning of this incident. The ones I looked all over my apartment for and that I had decided to forego using that day because I didn't have the time to look? I found them the next day on the kitchen counter, exactly where they were supposed to be. I know for a fact they weren't there when I looked, and I cannot explain why they disappeared that morning. I know my roommate didn't take them. I can only suppose that my awareness of the situation was the thing that saved me in the end, and some higher power was looking out for me that day. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true small town horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your stories with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep us going on a daily basis. If you enjoyed these stories in tonight's episode, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton in the YouTube algorithm. The more likes this video gets, the more YouTube promotes it. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating as it's incredibly helpful to me out there. The more reviews this gets, the more iTunes promotes it and that's very, very helpful. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, and you still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. And like I said, it's absolutely free and always will be. If you would like to support The Swamp outside of hitting that like button, giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, and potentially subscribing to the YouTube channel, maybe check out the merch store. I have t-shirts, face masks, hoodies, and much more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Much thanks again to Blue Chew for sponsoring this episode. They truly have been a big help to us in these times. I hope you all are doing well. Join me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.